Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, the perfect preamble to Hull, a perfunctory perusal of the Penenka penalty. I'm Tom, I'm joined by John and Zoe, and we're going to run through some very winnable games that we didn't win, but we did sort of win one of them. First up, we are through to the next round of the Cup, a glamour tie with a huge Premier League recently championship team. Punt, what about those three winnable games we didn't win then? Are we talking about all the games then? Um, I thought about this the other day, and I think people have kind of shit the bed to an extent, haven't they? In so much as if we look at the performances in isolation, we've gone away to Cardiff. We should have drawn that game. Let's be perfectly honest. That got that is a freak goal that probably doesn't happen 99 times out of 100. Um, we've, I wouldn't say we battered Wigan at home, but we certainly bested Wigan at home. And I think you were, could say we battered them. Well, I think there were patterns of play that were emerging, um, maybe not enough, but there were patterns of play that were emerging that that certainly showed signs of encouragement. And on most other ga- on most other days, I think we win that game. So we look, look by rights, we should probably have four points. Is anyone going to be really upset if we've got four points in the league at the moment? I, I don't think you'd find many Norwich fans that that would be dissatisfied with that. As it is, we've got one. But look, I, th- I think in terms of the manner of the performance, and we can talk about the League Cup in a moment, but in, the, in terms of the manner of the performance against Wigan, I saw enough green shoots to think that actually there's going to be something there and that we can be, we can find a formula that will be creative enough so that we will score enough goals to beat a lot of teams in the Championship. Um, whether that's enough to put together a, a top six tilt or, you know, kind of a top two um challenge i don't know but actually it's going to be fun finding out because this is a fresh set of players this is a fresh set of you know time for new heroes and all that mr Oda. it's it's you know actually if we look at nunez's performance i mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't say electric i'm talking about wigan sorry um i wouldn't say he was electric but actually the fact that he wanted to move the ball forward quickly the fact that he was playing on the half turn and actually looking to play dinked balls to the likes of Rashitsa or puki or whoever was making the run it just felt like he maybe fits the type of system that we're trying to build and maybe the players that we had previously didn't so i think that there's real signs of encouragement in, in that respect um there is also, I think for me, the I think we need to question Dean Smith tactically because I don't usually sit <gasps> in the South Stand. Yeah, well, yeah. But no, I don't usually sit in the South Stand and I sat in the South Stand for Saturday's match and it just felt to me that once we were chasing a winner, actually pr- you know, prior to the equaliser, we were playing some considered football and we were moving the opposition around and it felt not necessarily like vintage Fark ball, but it felt like we were trying to play football in a progressive manner. We then started to chase a winner, and Wigan had retreated into the shells. So, what Dean Smith kind of reverted to was a formation which was basically four six rather than you know kind of I don't know a four four one one or you know four two three one or whatever variation of, of you know that we're playing. It was almost like well, let's just throw enough bodies up front and get the ball there quite quickly and hope something happens. And it just felt a little bit stilted and like it it probably wasn't going to work, you know, if we'd have played for another 20 minutes. But prior to that, I felt like there was enough. And, and then we move on to the League Cup um, match. And actually, look at Gabriel Sarra. I thought he was really encouraging. I thought he looked re- technically really good. I think he, he was a little bit off the pace, but actually you, you saw enough there to realise that once he he gets up with the demands of the championship, that you know, he he could be someone who's who's really useful. And Nunez again comes on and, and looks relatively encouraging, but someone like Kieran Dow, who hasn't had any kind of football for two, three weeks, maybe, possibly even longer than that, really linked to the play nicely. And it just felt like we were starting to play the kind of football that maybe we'd been promised. So I think there's enough there to be positive. I think there's also a little bit there that you know we should we should still be concerned about. Yeah, a couple of things you said there I think were in evidence on Tuesday night. The fresh faces. Um, there was a I think it was a larger crowd than I was expecting. Um, the eighteen odd thousand. Um, I think the eighteen odd thousand that were there were treated to a team that didn't feel as hangovery as the first couple of games. Um, and you mentioned Nunez 
wanting to think, I mean, penalties and passes. And you mentioned, uh, and, and Gibbs, you didn't mention, but I think he's part of that as well. Really progressive forward running. It was him that created the um, the one, the goal, um, by suddenly pushing between two two centre midfielders and pushing it out wide um, to, to create that kind of momentum into the into the cross. Um, and like you say, Dow, I thought was a breath of fresh air in the first half, although he, he like Nunez, really faded second half. I mean, Nunez went went quiet. Um, so so compared to they're two different games. I've conflated there. Nunez in the second half on the weekend, I thought faded, but that was partly because I can't remember the, the guy's name. Number eight for, for them um, did a, a man marking job. It was one of the most clear. They've changed something at half times ever because the thing I was uh, I watched the the Wigan game with Mr. Lawn, um, and one of the things that we were both purring over was Nunez's space. The way that how how. Um, Clearly, he was looking at the nearest man and then taking a few side steps away to make sure there's at least five, seven yards between him. So he's always available. He couldn't do that second half because clearly someone had got in number eight's ear and said, he's doing this, go and stand on his toes. And that really changed it. And, and I actually think that's why Campwell didn't play as well second half in Wickham because I think Campwell really benefited from Nunez's movement. I think the fact that there was always room for, for someone to have the ball meant Campwell was often a second option. Um, meaning that they, you know they, they they had to try and close down one of them. So I'm really I was quite confident before the season started that we had enough in the squad, but I was worried about the fresh faces. A lot of that was put on because I try and be positive and try and counter how pessimistic I probably am in my head. Um, but but ironically, even though we've played three lots of ninety minutes and not won a game in ninety minutes yet, I actually feel more confident now, in spite of the results, because you use that sort of horrible, I know a lot about football phrase, patterns of play. But that's exactly what we have seen at Wigan, first half, first 20 minutes. I mean, first 20 minutes against Wigan, that's the best performance we've had since we won the championship most recently. We had, we did not play 20 minutes like that under Farker or Smith in the Premier League last year. We, it was superb. Um, and yes, we've got that mental fragility that, that a goal completely scuppers us, same as Cardiff. But, th- but then the fact that we changed the, the, the lineup, and actually there were patterns of play with a different set, or not completely different, but what eight different players. There were patterns of play that were similar in the in the the um, uh, who the hell did we play Birmingham game on Tuesday as there were against Wigan, and that was exactly what we said we needed to see in order to to give Smith a bit more time. So yeah, I'm um, I, I'm actually quietly confident that there is something brewing there in 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 terms of of, of a way of playing now. That doesn't mean that Smith doesn't deserve any. Um, doesn't mean we that he's kind of proven himself. Let's get more than a point in the league first, right? But but just to bring you in, Zoe, do you agree that there has there's enough green shoots to use? Um, I think that's Punt's invented that term. I've never heard that before. Um, you've never heard enough? the term green shoots. No, I was, I was teasing you, Punt. You've never said anything original in your life. Um, the uh, the we're on video. Punk you've... sworn at me. He's done a gesture. Now, luckily, we haven't got a beep for that. We can't beep a hand gesture. All right, you fucking um, bellend. Go on, oh, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> I've never beeped a podcast, and I never will. Um, but, yeah, Zoe, I think there's enough green shoots there, Punstown. I think I think you're right. I think there was something about 10 minutes in on Saturday, I was sat there, and I was, I was feeling really, really excited. And I was like, I have not felt like this in so long. Um and I realised how long it is because, you know, we had the we had the lockdown season. We had last year, absolute disaster. <clears throat> like feeling, the idea of feeling excited at a football match and feeling like there's a competition on, um, something good might happen. Um, it was just, it was, it was just a really nice feeling. And it, it felt like other people had that around us. It, it started off, I think, when the, the new fireworks started and uh, that yellow and green smoke appeared and everybody went, yeah, the smoke was Ooh. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, actually, we're quite easy to please, I think, <laughs> as a group of people, like a bit of yellow and green smoke and everyone's like, oh, yes, yes, things are going to be fine. Um, but I think that that Nunez factor um, was part of that, like, as, as you've both mentioned, again, that sort of hangover Cardiff fixture, the idea of not playing anybody new um, against Cardiff, just the idea of playing all these people with broken hearts from what, you know, what's happened <clears> last time. I think it just, it wasn't enough 
to lift probably the players or the fans in terms of thinking everything's going to be different because we do all need that reminder. It has been a long time since we were good. Um, and I think just even just have, throwing Nunez in there on Saturday, despite the fact he was probably still jet lagged, he probably didn't know what time it was whatsoever. And of course, he probably was going to fade in the second half, I think. Um, I think that just that lift of like, this is a new person. It's an exciting person. They've come from South America. We don't know what we don't know what they are going to be able to do. Unlike we kind of know very well what's the capacity of some of our yeah. other players, <laughs> totally, um, yeah. which can be worrying. And I think just that that feeling of enjoying the game again. And yes, you know, we had that patch where you could tell we, you know, the confidence is not there. They're not quite they're not quite back to it. But I, as well, the, the way that the game finished in sort of complete chaos, um, I think post the Max penalty incident and him, him sort of taking himself off, um, yeah. we were about to bring Hugel on in, at that point and then we yeah. had to change change our plans. And I think I'm not really surprised that everything went a bit mad. Um, I also quite enjoyed that and I am sort of starting to wonder whether I just prefer crap football. <laughs> yeah, chaotic football. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you had... Onel just charging with his head down like every yeah. time and you know and nothing really happened but th- that excitement and it was just it was so nice to be able to enjoy the football it kind of finished and everybody was cross with the referee but it didn't feel like anybody was really like oh my goodness we haven't won this it's a mm. disaster it kind of felt like well we we definitely could have won that quite easily and nobody would have batted an eyelid um, and then Tuesday night, I didn't, I didn't go. But again, you've got that kind of new, new player factor. You've got Gibbs, the sort of young, hopeful one. You've got Sarah as well thrown into the mix. That ball um, ahead of Sanani's goal was just yep. was lovely. Um, there so- were a few of them. There, there were a few of those, and, and it, it's almost um, the willingness to try and play them. You applaud as much yeah. as I mean. Obviously, sensible people applaud. There's a few. There was a few moans around me on. Um, on Saturday, actually, with when Nunez was trying a couple of clever things, um, and and someone complaining about Campbell giving the ball away, it's like no, applaud that because he that is what we want. We want them to keep trying that because that's actually entertaining to watch. And if it only comes off once, it's probably a goal when it comes off. You know, like, like a couple of dinks over. I think it was Nunez tried twice to dink the ball for Rashica, and the keeper got there first both times because Rashica. But that's exactly what we want him to do because if he does that for Puki, it's one nil. Yeah. No, I just it, it I do feel I do feel a lot more comfortable than I did post that Cardiff game. There is a lot to sort out and you know that confidence is not going to reappear overnight, but it it shouldn't take that you know we've got so many fixtures coming up yeah, and yeah. if we can get into an even semi decent maybe unbeaten run, we don't necessarily need to win them all, but if we if we go a few games without losing, that confidence and that swagger will come back because they are all players that have played at you know a higher level the confidence should you know it shouldn't take them too long to remember once they've once it's started to come back so yeah I mean we play terribly against Hull on Saturday and it maybe shifts again but it certainly there's been enough in the past week to say you know we we're going to be competing um yeah and that competing is bang right you mentioned being angry at the ref uh I was saying um, to some colleagues on Monday talking about the game on Saturday how um, how refreshing it was to be furious at a referee because um, whilst the, whilst Norwich didn't get anything like the rubber the green with the referees last season by that point we were usually two or three goals down or nil-nil and expecting to lose anyway so you, you, you almost the game has to be somewhat in the balance in order for you to be cross at the referee so, so just to be that word competitive you know to, just just to, to feel like there's something we could lose enough to be cross at the referee for, for, for letting us down. And he was he was abysmal um, on Saturday um, in particular. So to punt, looking ahead to, to Hull, um, for the first time for for the first time for positive reasons, there's a little bit of a selection headache for for your man Smith. Um, however, maybe Dimmy's uh, injury kind of fixes it for him because. You know, yeah. Sorensen's gonna. Sorensen doesn't have to be dropped now. He will basically stay at left back, right? You'd think so. Sorry, not, McCallum's I, injury, not not. Yeah, him. and I and I, I I was about to make the same point. I think I don't know how bad McCallum's injury is. I haven't seen the bulletin on that. 
I thought he looked really good actually. Um, you know, both times that, that both on Saturday and on Tuesday night, I think he he looked like the left back that we were sold that we bought when he he joined from Coventry rather than someone who was perhaps a bit rawer. Um, but yeah, you're you're bang right because the thing that has always worried me about Sorensen in the in the heart of midfield is he doesn't really feel like he's got the kind of dynamism or the energy or you know the kind of box to box element or whatever it might be that we need in English football to play as a midfielder you know and I don't want to do a disservice to the guy because technically he looks like you know kind of a quite handy footballer but probably call it urgency he doesn't have that urgency to to his play that that you know we need in in the engine room so the fact that he's able to play fullback is brilliant I think I've always thought that he's Genuinely, his best position might be the right side of a um, of three centre backs. So the fact that he was deployed as a right back, he had, as our colleague Maddie McKenzie said, you know, because when he had the play in front of him, he looked a lot more comfortable with what was happening. And I think the criticism of him in f- midfield is he hasn't reacted quick enough to situations. But if he can see those emerging in defence, then don't know, maybe he's a bit more equipped to deal with that. So I, I liked the fact that he was playing right back. He took took on a few players and there was a few forays forward that I thought looked looked really promising because he hasn't got lightning pace. So to be able to do that, I think was was interesting. But at left back, I don't know, I don't know what it is. His passing seemed to be more effective. His passing seemed to be more accurate. And actually that allowed the likes of of Dow to actually get his head up, you know, because there was an accurate pass which he could kind of take first time because he was in space and it had been played quickly. You know, it, it allowed that Dowell and kind of Sarah midfield interchange, you know, that positionally they were they were interchanging quite a lot. It it just gave us a bit more of a springboard, just having an accurate passer from defence. And I think Ben Gibson gave that to us actually last time out in the championship when he was playing at centre back. He the way he was able to fizz balls into midfield quickly and to see those passes quicker, maybe than a Hanley or an Omabamadeli or whoever was playing centre back at that point. I don't know, it it just Again, it's that urgency of play that you want Norwich to have because it, it feels like we're effective in that way. And the quicker we can get the likes of Dow, Sarah, Nunez, Campwell on the ball and, you know, turned and actually with the opposition perhaps not quite set, I think that's going to be really important to the way in which we're we're looking to play. So, yeah, you're right. It, it fixes a, a midfield selection dilemma. I think it Gibbs also gives him a, a healthy dilemma as well because Liam Gibbs, Penalty aside on Tuesday, which I mean, two-step penalty, and he's pinged it in the top corner for a whatever he is, and a nineteen-year-old lad is absolutely crazy. You know, it was almost Todd Cantwell, uh, you know, against Tottenham kind of proportions that that penalty. But the the fact that he offered loads of energy again, he was looking to play forward quite quickly. He just there was a fearlessness about his play, and I guess that comes with youth. But at yeah. the same time, it comes with not having the scars of of the last, you know, kind of season and a bit. So, yeah, I, I think I'm not saying he's a shoo-in for a start on Saturday, but I'd really, I'd be really surprised if he's not a starter and probably gives us exactly what we need, along with Sorensen actually playing as a fullback and, and pinging it in. Because the one thing that worries me is that maybe Ben Gibson isn't quite fit yet and he got a lot of detractors on Saturday when you're like, oh, hang on, this lad hasn't played any kind of football for three weeks. Um, so people getting on his back isn't entirely helpful. Omar is is still emerging as a centre back. Grant Hanley isn't a passer. Let's be honest. You know, kind of he's he's no, he's a stopper. Yeah, he's a stopper. And look, I think you know he's underrated technically, but he's not someone who's going to ping balls in quickly and, and you know kind of launch attacks. So the fact that we've now got that in our armory from defence, um, yeah, could be really really important. Yeah, Hanley was terrific um, on Tuesday night. The um, the first, um, the, the the set piece goal. I can't remember if it was the first or the second one. The one that they scored from a corner. Um, I it was the second one. So I don't know who it was that completely left their man. Um, but there was someone completely at the back post nodding in. Um, but you know that kind of aside, I thought it was a really good, really good performance from from the two two guys at the back. Tom I, I thought Hanley was way too well. slow to. Pr- to press the ball for for Birmingham's first goal, I think if you look at that back, he's he's possibly culpable for that. But I agree, in you know, in broad terms, he was, expo- he, was ex- he was exposed a bit because we gave the ball away in midfield shot horror. I mean, that was Dow, you know, and um, you know, to, to that Dow 
unfortunately, we are now getting close to an 11 of, of different players who have already, three games in, given away completely avoidable goals. Um, but it's, it's that that kind of fragility of, of mistake-laden play that um, thwarted us under Farker and is still an issue under Smith. I don't believe that you have these cultural things like, oh, they always play the ball on the floor. They always give things away. They're really good at coming from behind. That's not a thing at football clubs when you change manager and change players. That That is fixable by changing the player and or changing the manager, you know, because they are mental lapses, mental mistakes. And you can, you can account for that by making sure when he's in that situation, you stop him from making a mistake because you make sure you split out and you give him two options or however the coaches solve that problem. But we have to prevent situations occurring when we are making it, having to score two goals in order to get, you know, get one goal in front. Um, on the uh, on the, the weekend, uh, I, I don't know who I don't know who he will start because I think both Sarah and I think it's Sarah or Gibbs, and it's I think it might come down to whether or not they think Sarah has had enough minutes and is ready to do to start. If he does, I think it will be him next next to Kenny. But if they think, do you know what, Gibbs has done enough to impress us and Sarah may be looking at his, whatever they do, CO2 levels or however they judge his recovery over today and, and yesterday from Tuesday's game, maybe they start him on the bench and they say to Gibbs, hey, look, go on, go in there and play with Kenny and see, see how you get on. But it's nice to be in a situation where as long as it's one of those two, if you just mean that he plays in there alongside Kenny, I will be totally happy with with our midfield at least going into that that game. And that, I haven't felt that way for a long time about our, our midfield too. Off the back of that though, off the back of Tuesday, would you be looking at perhaps starting Dow alongside them or Todd alongside them? Because I thought Dow looked really, really sharp on Tuesday night. Until he gave the goal away, I didn't think he did a lot wrong. I think Campbell has created loads. What about you, Zoe? Um, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Todd, but I do think that Smith likes Dowell. I think there's there's something at the end of last season where it, you know, it, it felt like it felt like he was a big fan, and and Dowell was a big part of two years ago as well. And I, I think um, I don't think we need to be too worried if Dowell does get thrown in. I think he's he's got a lot at this level, um, and he he could be really useful. I think he's just got some, you know, sometimes he can perhaps not concentrate as much as he as he could do but actually when he's on it and he can pick a pass unlike um a lot of players in our in our side so um I think he'll get a run at some point whether it comes on Saturday I don't know I think probably given Todd's recent history giving Todd a decent run in the side is probably the right thing to do to see where his head's at to see where he um, where he comes out of it, I think, um, and build and hopefully try and build some of his confidence. Um, I, I don't think not having Todd in the team at this stage would help be helpful for either Todd or or the rest of the team, probably. No, I completely agree. I, I think it will be Nunez, Campwell, and Rashidza. Um I would would have thought that um, Smith and maybe some fans would have liked O'Neill to have given him another selection headache. O'Neill has just got impact sub especially at home written all over him he he is a change of pace he is a bull in a china shot but his 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 final delivery is woeful um and so many times on tuesday he gets you off your seat and then you sat back down again crosser than you were before you got up because you just think you've just created a fantastic opportunity and then you pinged it across the box or you've chosen the wrong option and hit it too hard so it's almost like he gets as excited as we do once he's beaten that second player. So either you try and coach, again, maybe by the use of other players, you say, right, when you get in this situation, Pookie's going to make sure he's always there. When you get in that situation, um, if Hugo's on the pitch, he's going to drift off there or whatever. However you do it through coaching, until they can get a higher percentage or confidence of a higher percentage of quality as his final ball, I still think Rashidza is slightly better overall in terms of, and he's got an assist, obviously, although it's an easy one. He has got an assist this season, Rashidza. I think this might be Rashidza's last chance to try and prove that. And Rashidza needs to grasp it because Ida's not far off fitness. So when Ida is back, I, I, I can easily see him deployed across that front three, um, along with kind of Nunes and Campwell behind, uh, sorry, front three as in the three that support Puki. One other thing I want to mention, because I haven't seen it talked about much yet from everyone else in uh, covering Norwich how cross 
um, and how different Pookie's demeanour seemed to be on Saturday. So twice we should have been 2-0 up on Saturday through chances that Pookie could have quite easily laid in. The first one was definitely Nunez. I'm not sure if Nunez again on the second one, but twice he could have laid someone in for a tap-in because we had an overload and he took the shot on and ended up not even getting past the, the defender that was closing down. That is really un like And also the anger he showed when we gave away that pathetic goal against Wigan, um, putting both his kind of fists to his face and like bending over, doing like a what looked like a scream on the halfway line, facing away from the rest of it. That is not, that is not Pookie. I think he is cutting something of a frustrated figure. I don't know if you, you kind of picked up on any of that punty. Yeah, I did. And it, it kind of makes me sad because my one wish for this season, I think I wrote about this for, for the website, is that that man reaches 100 goals because he's been such a fine servant to this football club. that it, I, I think he's arguably, I think for me, he's top three like best strikers I've seen play for, for Norwich City. He, he's really up there and, and he's such a likeable character and he usually has been playing, not necessarily with a smile on his face, but you you were kind of safe in the knowledge that that man was enjoying his football. You know, even I would say there was periods of last season where, you know, that was evident. And I just don't know. You don't know whether it is the club's insistence that he stayed at this football club and he saw out his contract, or it's just the fact that the service is different and, you know, Onel has just plundered down the wing again and then just fucked up his cross or whatever it might be. You just, you don't know. And it would be really good to get, you know, 15 minutes with a guy just to say, what's up? Like, you know, what's going on in your head? Um, Because if we can unlock him, if we can unlock that happiness and, you know, is is the way in which he just goes through on goal and he seems to know what to do. He doesn't always execute it perfectly, but he seems to make the right decisions a lot of the time. If we can unlock that again, then, you know, we should be up there in the championship, shouldn't we? You know, kind of a, a man who would almost guarantee you 20 goals, you know, if you provide him with enough high quality chances, you you should then be going and challenging. But he's never, he never, and I've said this ad nauseum on the podcast, he never really strikes me as a guy who's going to fit a 4-3-3. And that seems relatively insistent, or Smith seems relatively insistent on that's the formation that we're playing. And he almost scored, it's a bit like Grant Holt under Hewton, I would would suggest. He almost scored goals last season in spite of the system that we were playing rather than because of the system. Um, and we need to play to his strengths. Now, I do think that we've got the personnel to do that. Nunez, absolutely. Campwell, almost definitely. Dow certainly seemed to have a, a really good understanding with Puki last season. So I think we can get there. But it's about just finding the rhythm and the times that he makes his runs. Because I, I think, I still think that a number 10 is just so, so important to the way in which he plays. And Marco Stieferman was was almost perfect for him in that 18-19 season because there was a telepathic understanding between him, Puki and Buendia about what was about to emerge. And we're going to have to build that again. And that takes time and that takes patience. And I don't, I don't know, Puki doesn't seem to be on that page. He doesn't, he wants it all now. And look, it could have all been different. Had the guy, you know, he flicks it onto the bar, that drops in, suddenly there's a smile on his face. We win 2-1, we're third or fourth in the league and everything is right with the world again. It just feels like it's it's an old adage, but he just needs a goal. He just needs a goal. And once he gets that, you kind of feel like three or four might follow. So then to Saturday, Zoe, Hull have gone win against Bristol City, draw against Preston and then lost to Bradford in the Cup. Uh, we arrive in middling form, to say the least, but we're not in the bottom three yet. So what is the score going to be? Give us a guarantee, please, and a guaranteed scorer. Uh, guaranteed scorer, I'm going to say, is Pookie. Yes. Um, I would like to, I would like to just add to, to John's point uh, on Pookie. I, uh, I was on this podcast, I think, at almost exactly the same point two seasons ago, um, and... We were talking about how sad Timu looked and it was post-relegation again. I think it took him a couple of games to get going and look what happened. And I think I can almost, you know, I remember talking about the sadness in his eyes. Um, and <laughs> That might have been a podcast title. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it has happened before. He is a person that you can tell what he's thinking all the time. Like, and I really value that in a player, you know, that, he, he's honest, like 
if he's disappointed, you can tell he's disappointed. If he thinks something's a joke, he will, you know, he will be laughing sarcastically. Um, you know, I, I really value that he he shows his feelings and he's obviously frustrated. You know, he's gone through this cycle with us now twice of of huge success and then huge disappointment. And it must be difficult for him to to get himself up again. But I think like with all of us, the moment we start winning again, and this is obviously a, an if, um, it'll soon perk up. I mean, no no doubt about it. Um, and I think maybe Saturday is the, the time for that to happen. Maybe he can get going again. He can score a couple. We can win 3-1 um, and everything will be right with the world. It'll all be fine. Yeah, just looking, um, you're right. That, so two seasons ago, he scored in the first home game, but then he didn't score again until... Um, 24th of October. So yeah, it, it was he did get that first one early, but then it, it did take him a while until, until he got going. Um, punt kind of a guaranteed scorer and a guaranteed scorer from you. Can't say Pookie because he's already been guaranteed. Yeah, all right. Well, I tell you what, I will I will go with Nunez. I think he's he loves a shot at boy and an anchor from the halfway line. <laughs> do you know, I mean, we haven't talked about that, have we? How ridiculous was it that he's tried to? You know, he's gone. Ishmael Assar and tried to lob the keeper from inside his own half. And oh, keep it Beckham, Beckham. You know, I'm not, I'm not having a, I'm not having a well, it's just, it's just, five days ago. It's recency bias, isn't it? Yeah. Um, although then he I couldn't score his penalty bias. and obviously Nunez could. Um, there, yeah, I fancy him to get on the score sheet very soon. So yeah, I'm, I will, I will say he will score and I think we're going to win 2-0. Love it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think we're going to win 3-0. Um, and I think it was time for a pookie brace. Uh, and uh, Kenny's going to score a glancing header from a corner a la Man City. Um, so that's that sorted. So they guarantees for you. We've got three choices of guarantee. Um, so far, no one's got it even nearly right uh, this season on our podcast. <laughs> um, uh, we've got some listener questions. Uh, please, for the hundredth time in this podcast series, can we have some listener questions, Punt? We can, sir. We can. We've got lots of really good ones today. Um, Stephen Pass on Twitter, I think I'll pick first. And he asks, did the club pick the wrong South Americans put on the side of the stadium? Zoe, how ridiculous is it that a man who hadn't even started a game for this football club suddenly hero status on the side of the South Stand? Um, it's certainly an interesting choice. I'm not I'm not mad about it. I think it's... Um, I, I'd... From what you can tell, I don't think that he'll it'll be too phasing for him. Um, plus, they had to they had to pick someone we'd just signed because what if uh, we sell any of the <laughs> any of the others? Um, yeah, it's I don't I don't think it will be too much pressure for him, but it will be very interesting to see how uh, how the season pans out for him. Um, we don't want to get our hopes up too much uh, um, for him. But, yeah, I, yes. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if um, if there's something to do with. It's the only picture they had where the image format was in the right ratio or was in the right file type or that they happened to have on the desktop when the, when the people said, we really do need the picture now to send it. Not saying too much about what goes on at Carrow Road. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Nunez may well become, you know, the story of the season. Um, it's That was obviously what we hoped when we signed him and he hasn't done anything in his first, you know, hour and, or 100 minutes of football at Carrow Road to suggest anything other than it's going to be all eyes on him, not not in the same way as Emmy, but effectively as in the, not in the same actions on the pitch as Emmy, but in the same way as as soon as he's got the ball, you know the excitement level goes up a notch around the stadium. So it might be that he is replacing um, when we sell that Omar Manadeli for thirty five million. It might be that we then replace his picture with Nunez. There's a couple of gaps still around the ground that I'm sure they're waiting for the transfer window to close before they fill them. It did feel like it was like, well, you know, Gabriel Sarah, well, he's definitely going to be here. He can't leave. So let's stick him up on the side. And Omobamadeli signed a new contract. So that's safe too. Yeah. Whereas, you know, someone who perhaps would be have been more deserving, I don't know, like a Grant Hanley or a, well, maybe the second, or a Tim maybe Krull. The second of, maybe the 2nd of September, team news going up. There you go. You know, well. it, may, it may well be that as soon as they are 100% sure, he's going to be there until at least Christmas. Um. Anyway, yeah, it, it does seem strange that if they weren't one hundred percent sure, I know you can't be one hundred percent sure, but unless they were really, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there is something in that. Maybe that they're not. They were so uncertain that Team is definitely not going anywhere that they well, didn't dare put him up. 
so my my youngest is a junior canary for the first time this season and junior canaries under the age of 12 um get free shirt printing so you know she has the new shirt obviously she had that on day of release because it was so gorgeous and i said who do you want and it was pookie and i was like just just hold on mate just hold on hold you hard until the end of august and then and then we'll we'll talk about it so yeah it's a um it's a tricky it is a tricky one it really wouldn't surprise me i've said this elsewhere that you know if if a say like a top 10 premier league club get an injury to either their front line or backup striker and but that's a six month i don't know acl or something like that actually is pookie pookie's a really good option isn't he just maybe sign on a two-year contract for a six seven million pound punt you know kind of that that's the kind of player that a lot of premier league teams might take a gamble on if if you've got the if you've got a supply line and a couple of really good tens for example Vardy does an Achilles or something. I can mm-hmm. see. I can see him slightly. You know, Leicester have got about seven really good number tens. I could see him playing for Leicester. Yeah, or Brighton. Brighton, I think, would be a really yeah. good fit. They, exactly. They play. They play football the right way. Create the right kind of chances. Um, I can see that happening. But um, you know, I don't want to wish injury on anyone, and certainly not when it means we might lose Timo. So I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. that, like you, that he gets 100 goals with us this season. Let's, right. Next question. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right, uh, Mick Saunders, Tom, this is a question for you. Oh, Are man. the new sexy dancing lights at Carrow Road too bright? And I'm only uh, asking well, this to Tom because you haven't seen them yet, Zoe. So sexy. I'm not sure they're sexy. They're definitely bright. Well, that, I thought there was going to be a lot more going on. So now we've actually seen a goal scored in in both league and cup action. Um, I mean, I know it wasn't really dark enough on Saturday for, for Max's thunderstrike. Um but, is that what you're calling that a thunderstrike? No, we, we scored a goal, Carrow Road. Yeah, yeah, right, every goal's right. a thunderstrike. Yeah, go nuts, um, go on, yeah. Um, well, I did go nuts. It was amazing. I haven't felt that excited about a Norwich <laughs> goal for a long time. Um, no, I, I really, um, I really was underwhelmed. Uh, it's, it's too, they're too bright. But I was under the impression that when we scored, they were going to do all sorts of wow, mad flashing things, and there might be messaging and LEDs and I, things. I, I think it might happened. be pre-game. Like, I think it might be pre-game that they're planning that, but also it has to be dark enough for them to be able to do that and some kind of Mate, light show. Mate, it was show. dark maybe enough on they... Tuesday. Those lights were so bright. It was but, insane. But, well, yeah, that. but I think maybe pre-match, because the sun hadn't even probably set over the south stand but pre-match. what's the point in pre-match? I want it as a goal whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't shoot the messenger. Like, you're right. Just, you're, anyway. you're all that's available so I'll shoot you and then if someone comes looking saying, what happens to our messenger? I'll shoot them as well. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, I, I they were too, they are too bright, Mick. Yes. Blindingly, you know, bright. I mean, it, it don't stare too closely at or don't Blind stare at too long. Heights. Yeah, all that, all that. Zoe, we'll have the next one for you then. Um, this is Rory on Twitter, and he asks: Are Hanley and Gibson, who we're seriously going with, or is Delia just trolling? I mean, I'm presuming that he thinks that Delia is now in charge of um, squad. Oh, she picks a team. Yeah, and but, why not? Anyway, it's a Smith. So for the purposes of you know the, this exercise, uh, who is your first choice centre-back pairing now? It's a really good question. Uh, certainly there were lots of conversations about it in the car on on the way down on, um, on Saturday morning at God knows what time it was. Um, because ideally, right, your ideal pairing would be Gibson and Omabamadeli in terms of left foot, right foot. Yeah. Got... Gibson is the, as previously discussed, I guess in inverted commas, the footballer. You know, he's the passer. He was so effective two years ago um, in that position. He doesn't look fit or confident at the moment. Um, so it's a tough question. Like in terms of long term partnership, that's the one you'd probably want to go for. It's very unfair on Grant Hanley, who's um, you know an absolute powerhouse and has got a giant head which is always useful in various situations um but yeah that I mean that that would be the the pairing at the moment it's a bit of a concerning pairing because I'm not sure Gibson is quite there but whether that's what he's aiming for in the long run it'll be really interesting to see once we settle into the season I think you raise a good point about Gibson because I mean, Smith ditched him last season. Smith brought in Sam Byram as an emergency centre-back ahead of Ben Gibson. So you wonder whether there's the confidence has been lost off the off the back of, does this manager actually rate me? And I thought it was a bold move for Smith to bring him back and to immediately 
elevate him to to skipper i mean all right you could have looked around and is there any other candidates apart from maybe tim crawl and then do you want your goalkeeper to be to be captain i don't know i'm never really a particularly big fan of that but i don't know he does he he looks half the player that he was and i really hope that that is a lack of fitness rather than a lack of anything else i.e his game has deteriorated to a point where he can't play because he as you say he is the passer uh you know in, in any centre-back pairing that that we would play and tom what did you think of um the american lad tomkinson on on tuesday because i thought he was really effective and, and one thing that i picked up on is that he was barking instructions at way more senior players and i really like that when a young lad comes in and does that well he's also not that young um he's not as young as Gibbs, is he i think he's a, is he not like 21 I'll, i, I will go i will google it you talk sense and i'll google yeah it. no i because I, i've got a feeling that he's one of those that's been around the squad he's actually been around the first team longer than gibbs has um and has sort of nearly made it but not not quite been, been put into it yet 20 um, years old yeah okay it's 20 not 21 but yeah, he 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 certainly has the the aura of a of, of an older centre back. Personally, I don't think uh, if, if he's fit, Hanley plays for me. Um, if we, if we were in a situation where he wasn't fit and any centre back player, like we had with um, uh, Godfrey and Zimmerman, um, if we're in a situation where he can't play and we have a suite of games where two centre backs hold it down, fine, of course, you don't argue with that. But uh, this early on in the season, Hanley is the first centre-back name on the team sheet for me. He offers so much in terms of stability. He, he makes the odd mistake, but they are the odd mistake. Most of the Norwich shooting himself in the foot is not from him. Um, and I, I would personally go with him and Norma Bamadeli. Um, I, I think that's... I see loads of potential in him. And I, I would like to see... You know, I'd like to see Tonkinson more. I would like us to, to try um, uh, like a 5-2... Five, five, one two or five, you know, some kind of variation of five three two. Because having three centre backs with with maybe um, Hanley in the middle and a Tompkins from one side or an Armabamadeli one side and, and a Sorensen the other, or if Byron comes back and Byron's one of a kind of a right centre back or left centre back, I think that could work really nicely for us building from the back. Um, and we look at, because especially because it looks like we're going to have way more of the ball um, this season. And it looks like most of what we're going to be defending is stuff coming through the middle um, because that's where most chances seem to have happened against us. So um, against these rubbish teams we've played so far, that might be slightly different against the better teams when we, when we start playing them. Uh, but yeah, for, for me, it has, it has to be handling. Uh, I'm, I get what you're saying. I think I'm with Zoe in so much as just Omar Bamadeli and Gibson feel like a better partnership. And I wonder whether there's an element you know of 18. will start Saturday, right? I mean, it will yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, I think you will. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Um, the, but but I think moving forward, I think you know Zoe is absolutely bang on the money that they feel like a better partnership and might click better together because they've got a bit of everything that we need. And I wonder whether there's an element of 2018-19 here where um, Zoe, I don't want to make you well up because I know you're very fond of them both. But you know Tim Closer and then Christoph Zimmerman came together earlier in the season and formed a formidable partnership. And then later on in the season, you know, Zimbo kind of carried that on with Ben Godfrey. And Hanley didn't really get a look in because of the fine form of, of the other centre-backs. And, you know, and that was really harsh on him because whenever he was called upon, and I know he had an injury early on, but whenever he was called upon, he, he did a perfectly fine job. But I just think maybe again, you know, thinking about that. So how do we get the ball into midfield quicker? And Omar Bamadeli actually steps out of defence really effectively as well, which is something we've, we've never really talked about on the pod. I just think they're their particular strengths might suit the way that we play a little bit better. But look, I mean, they're really great options to have because the three lads that we're talking about there are all top-class centre-backs. Um, right, let's have a couple more questions. I really like this question. Um, Tom, let's start with you here. This is Alan, or at big underscore Al on, along, on, um, on Twitter, who asks... Has our strict no dickhead policy inadvertently created a team of low confidence players with fragile mindsets? Um, not sure we've been as hot on the no dickhead thing this summer. Um, I, Talk I, to I me think, about that then. Uh, I just Which think dickheads that, have we signed? Well, we've got someone who shoots from the halfway line and tries penenkas in his <laughs> early in his career before he's had to do it. Um, oh, okay. But, but according, you know, according, well, last uh, pod we were saying how much of a lovely, nice boy he was. Exactly. You know, so hang on, yeah, happy, lovely boy. No, it's exactly happy, lovely boy. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, uh, Adam Brandon, 
you know, South Af- South African, South American football expert. He probably knows more about South African football than me. And um, he he was saying how actually he's you know amazingly humble Christian lad and etc. So, no, I, I think I, I don't think we have got that. I think there is plenty of there's plenty of attitude to. Um, the way that that Dow plays football, I think there's plenty of attitude to the way that McCallum plays football. Um, you know, I like. I know that we didn't bring him in under the, that era, but you know, both Max and Todd play with swagger and and, and are very self confident lads. Hugo might be uh, a nice human being, but my goodness me, he plays football in a, an aggressive way. Um, we still got Hanley. I mean, I wouldn't ever. I wouldn't want to do even five minutes on a football pitch with Hanley. I, I think there's enough aggression. Um, I mean, we've got probably the best shithousing keeper I have ever seen, and especially my Norwich, Norwich side of things. Tim Krul is so good at cheating. It's interesting how little I noticed this. There's a lot he's, of a one, he's a wonderful human, though, is Tim. Oh, wonderful human. But the, but the point is, it's I don't. My, that is kind of my point. That policy is yeah. for off the pitch. I yeah, don't. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's possible for someone to be horrible off the pitch and weak-minded on it. I think it's possible for someone to be a wonderful charitable human yeah. off the pitch and 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 the nasty bugger on it. And interesting on on Tim Krul, there was a we have seen a fantastic amount of waste time wasting because of the teams we've been playing and the fact that we've been behind in those games. Interesting how he doesn't get agitated um, and shout at his uh, closest referee's assistant. And I always I'm looking for him to do it just so I can say. I don't think you. I think Glasshouse is throwing stones at him because you waste time more than any keeper I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, think, right, we've got one, one more. We've got time for one more question, John. Is that what you're saying? Right, hang on. Then let me That's have a I'm good saying. a good trawl through. I and we have had loads, and we do appreciate it. But we have um, had lots yeah, and lots we've, and lots. We've prattled on with our guarantees about Harlan and, and Zoe, other things. Zoe, so. you have to pick the best question, and then that that questioner wins some Along Come Norwich merch. But anyway, Actually, so uh, questioner. Question Are we the questionees? Anyway, we've got time for one question. more. Fuck's sake. Right. Okay. <laughs> this is from Bear Swift. Um, and it says, are the club doing enough to support the women's team and female fans in general? Zoe, kick us off with that. Um, yeah, it's such a tough one. Like, I'm, I would not pro- profess to be an expert on the women's side of the game at Norwich City. Um, so I don't want to speak from any kind of um, position of authority there I think it's a real tough one for the clubs like I think it would be a really good if they could play at Carrow Road at least a couple of times a season um, really allow sort of some ticketing initiatives some really good um, like pricing schemes allow people to get down to the ground it's easy to get there it's in the city centre you know you can go and watch them it'll be really easy suddenly promising to let them play um at the at Carra Road for every game might make things logistically a little bit difficult um and so there is there are some fine lines to play I think it feels like we're maybe a little bit further behind some of the other clubs um but again I'm not an expert so I wouldn't know in terms of looking after women in in general at the club I think I think it's always been a good club to be a woman at uh, I've never I've always felt very lucky in that respect of supporting a team that um, it wasn't weird. And and I've always said, you know, there's a lot of things to say about Delia, but Delia being, having been in charge for so long has kind of made women at our club a kind of a normal thing. And it's, you know, it's accepted and it's fine. You go to some other grounds and you can really see that there's nowhere near as many uh, women there as there are when you go to Carroll Road it's a good place to be I think generally football has become a worse place to be over the last few years I don't think especially away games I, f- I feel like there's a weird vibe these days of of, of anger um, and disquiet which can be unsettling I think that comes from the women as much as the men though so not necessarily saying but you know in terms of you know football in general I think is struggling a little bit with probably what's going on in the wider mm. political landscape. So that's probably a bit too big a discussion to go into at the end of the podcast. But, you know, I think Norwich has always encouraged inclusion and um, people feeling comfortable to be themselves. Um, and yes, we could probably do more for the women's team, but um, 
yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's a long way to go. There always is with these things. I think it's really interesting you touch on the the price points and the ticketing and all that. I think the club have got an announcement to make probably this week about women's ticketing and, and the women's football team in general and what this season is going to look like. Because I think, you know, look, let's face it, they're going to look to capitalise on on the success of the Lionesses and and see if they can get more people involved. And, and I would say, I mean, I take my two girls to go and watch the women's team as regularly as we can. Um, and very often there's, you know, they play on Sundays. So if you've been to the Norwich game on a Saturday, that might be a bit too much as a family. But if you can get down there, the the home that they have built for the women's team at the Nest is a fantastic facility. It's a really nice vibe. There's there's not any of that, maybe that toxicity that that you referenced, Zoe. You know, it is I would encourage anyone, the only issues really are logistically if you if you haven't got access to your own transport that getting out to you know near Norwich airport can be a difficulty but you know if you're able to get there I, I would definitely encourage people and I know the price point is going to be really really affordable so um yeah definitely get down there if you can this season right well we've covered everything I think we need to cover you know what the scores are going to be in Hull you know that we, we are very impressed and excited by the fact that this era might be just ready to kick off finally under Smith um, but so thank you very much for chatting with us. So thank you very much for chatting with us, John. I acknowledge you have been on a, on what was it ninety seven? Did we work out of the one hundred podcasts? Uh, this is this is my ninety eighth of the hundred podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have done the hundred, and anyone who has listened to all hundred, I wonder if there is anyone who has done. And um, I edit it, and I don't think I've heard all of them. I, I um, guarantee there's definitely one that's in one of the Along Come Norwich WhatsApp groups. I guarantee he has. Okay, well, thank you to anyone who's listened to more than a couple. Um, the fact that, you know, a thousand or so people keep listening to us prattle on um, is really nice. And I was thinking about over the hundred podcasts, the amount of things that have changed in the last four seasons or so. Um, there's some fairly obvious medical situations that have occurred. Um, but in terms of, you know, John mentioning his girls, I took Ruth, to, uh, my eldest, to, to his first competitive game this week. Um, you know, there are some older people who are no longer coming to football with us that were coming to football with us when we first started this podcast. So we've had Farka, we've had promotions, we've had all sorts that have happened over the period of time we've been prattling on. And it is prattling on. I mean, come on, we don't know what we're talking about. Sometimes we have sensible people on, but normally it's people like me, Punt and Zoe talking nonsense. Um, Zoe's perfectly that? sensible, <laughs> mate. We're, we're the dickheads here. Don't worry about that. I was just trying to drag it down to our level. And I think that's... I think that's what the, that's what we've always been about. Not not self promotion. <laughs> not not trying to get clicks. Not trying to get likes. Not trying to get subscribes. Not trying to get sponsorship. Not trying to get above our own station. Not pretending we know anything more than anyone else sitting watching football. Um, but if you've enjoyed any point in the last hundred pods of us prattling on, like like the first, I think it was the first ever podcast review we had was. It sounds like overhearing people in the corner of a pub, and part of that was because of our audio quality at the time as well. Um, then thank you because we do enjoy doing it and here's to maybe at least another five I won't commit to 100 but you know at least a few more enjoy the game on Saturday the new era starts now mind over